the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, if you ever had the opinion that your lawmakers on Capitol Hill don't do anything, uh, today would refute that. Uh, There are some significant hearings going on on Capitol Hill, and we will keep you abreast of all of them here on a Thursday edition of the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to be with you. 94.5 in Dayton, 98.9 in Columbus. We're also going to talk today about uh, Ohio State's investment in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, We had an infrastructure bill that passed and was signed into law by our president. And I assume that we all would like our bridges and highways and other mammoth uh, structures and transportation avenues that we use to be safe. Uh, Will they be going forward if uh, Ohio State has its way in its engineering school? We will discuss. But let's start with what's going on in Washington, D.C. Jim Jordan is in charge today of a House Oversight Committee hearing into the weaponization of law enforcement in the United States. The Hunter Biden laptop is getting some scrutiny today. The FBI, the DOJ's response to it. We will have comments from Jim Jordan about how the Hunter Biden laptop story was predicted, uh, amazingly accurately, and how that whole thing came about. But first, let's start with the Senate Environment and Public Works panel, because they're talking about the train derailment in East Palestine. They're talking about Norfolk Southern, the railway that has had at least five derailments here in Ohio, including one in Delaware, where we talked yesterday. Five cars are still littering the landscape up there. Uh, The CEO of Norfolk Southern is apologizing, Alan Shaw. That might have been nice had it occurred a month ago, but I guess better late than never. Alan Shaw says in a statement to the Senate Environment and Public Works panel, I'm deeply sorry for the impact this derailment has had on the people, and I'm determined to make it right. So how do you make it right? It's a community of 5,000 people. 5,000 people were evacuated. Norfolk Southern initially would give you 1000 bucks. Sorry. Sorry you had to leave uh, town overnight or two overnights. Here's $1,000 for your trouble. Would you mind signing this paper that we paid you $1,000? Careful, read the fine print. Now, Norfolk Southern says it is committed to doing, quote, the right thing. And at this point in time, the price tag on the right thing is $20 million to help the community recover. $20 million. So I've never been to East Palestine. I'm curious. Could you buy every inch of real estate in East Palestine for $20 million? I'm going to say no. I'm going to guess no on that. Maybe now at the depressed prices, since they had a toxic train derailment and detonated it, spewing who knows what into the atmosphere, you could. But to me, 
what degree to to what degree are they committed to the right thing if the right thing has an astronomical price tag and if the right thing is to just we're going to buy the entire town and we're going to let you start over somewhere else would people even take that deal or would they take the money and settle right back down where they are and take their chances my guess is they would do the latter but what will happen in this hearing i predict is that the Democrats will blame it on who? You know, Norfolk Southern. Big business. Evil. Lots of money. But they have to be careful doing that because, of course, Norfolk Southern employs a lot of people who are what? Unionized. Right? So they can't be too anti-Norfolk Southern without hurting the people that they purport, but lie, about serving, which are the union rail workers. Oh, I know they gave them a sweet contract. But those rail workers would like to continue having a job, and contingent upon them having a job is (laughs) having a company to work for. So the Democrats have to be careful if what they want to do is put them out of business. Now, the Republicans, of course, are going to focus on what do you think they're going to focus on? They're going to focus on the response, right? Because the Democrats were in charge. Also, got to be careful with this because Ohio is a state where we are run by a Republican government, every major office. Supermajority in the Senate and in the House. I know they don't govern like it, but we still have one. So that will be the trick for Republicans to demonize the response from the federal government, but not from the state government. The sad part in all of this is, of course, the people of East Palestine will be used as pawns by Democrats against big business and by Republicans against Democratic responses. And I don't know if there's a hope for the people of East Palestine to emerge from this in a year, five years, ten years, without being the ones who ultimately pay the heaviest toll. My guess is that would happen. If I lived there and I could at all do it, I would move. I would move out. I would go to Norfolk Southern now. I'd have an attorney represent me. I'd try to backdate the value of my property or any land that I owned to what it was before the train derailed. And if you gave me that, I'd get out. That's just a personal decision. And everybody here has got to make a personal decision because we are at least until the Biden administration stops it. We are a nation where you have free will to do whatever you want to do. How often are hazardous train cars making their way through our countryside and through our Villages, towns, and cities. Hazardous material shipments account for how, what percent? What percent do you think of thirty million rail shipments a year? Hazardous materials account for seven to eight percent. I think that's high. That's very high to me. I I would not have expected that. I would have said like two percent. Thirty percent. Thirty million shipments. Seven to eight percent are hazardous materials. It says railroads often mix shipments and might have one or two cars of hazardous material on almost any train. So this is why a derailment is something that we have to pay attention to, because if that's the truth, if there's a hazardous car on every train, then theoretically there could be a hazardous car derail, spew its poison into our soil, into our air, into your lungs, into the water supply every single time. Of course, the American railroads, railroads, excuse me, train group says, 
99.9% of hazardous materials reach their destinations safely, and rail is generally regarded as the safest way to transport these materials until it isn't. Until it isn't. I wouldn't want it shipped over the highway. It's not nearly as efficient. You can't nearly ship as much of it. You have a much better chance, I would think. We have a lot more than a 1,000 car accidents or semi-tractor-trailer accidents a year. I would not want it shipped over the road, but I would like for it to be shipped more safely by the rail companies. So there's a bill. They're going to install more wheel-bearing detectors and all that because, of course, we're always chasing what went wrong the last time, and this train derailed because it had a bad wheel-bearing. So, okay, let's fix the wheel-bearings, and the problems will go away until something else happens, and then we'll have to catch up to that as well. NTSB is investigating Norfolk Southern. We told you that yesterday. So I don't know where this is going, but the people are the ones who are decidedly caught in the crosshairs of it. Now, speaking of crosshairs, we are all going to be caught in the crosshairs of the federal government's law enforcement arms unless the lawmakers that we have elected do something about it. What has happened with our FBI and our Department of Justice, what has happened and what is happening, cannot be allowed to stand. Because if so, we are going to soon be a nation where all those countries that we've looked at from the outside and been really glad we're not them, we're going to be them. In the sense that you will be able to be put away, removed from society, targeted, penalized, maybe imprisoned, maybe worse— For the fact that you don't agree with whatever the party in power says is the way things ought to go. I know right now it would be hard to find a liberal Democrat who would say that the DOJ and the FBI need to be reined in, that they can't do what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop. The problem with that is eventually... The worm turns and Republicans get in power. And all we heard when Trump was in power was how fascist and dictatorial he was. And we now hear the same things about Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis will be worse than Trump if, in fact, he is the nominee. You can set your clock by that. So wouldn't it be better if we had a way to go back to, I was going to say the way it used to work. Maybe I should say the way it's supposed to work because we're never really sure if it actually did work the way It was supposed to work. But ideally, what we know is that law enforcement is supposed to be what? Blind, because Lady Justice is blind. Well, lately, it seems like Lady Justice has an eye open and it's going, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you saying over there on Twitter? I don't agree with that. Hey, you, an FBI, email Twitter, text Twitter, tell them to get rid of this guy. So we'll have Jim Jordan's... Very, very, very intricate detail for how this all unfolded and what they will try to prove and are trying to prove right now on Capitol Hill. That's next on The Bruce Woolley Show. Well, you do not want to miss uh, what is going on at the Ohio State College, not cool school, College of Engineering. Um, and I will get into that at the bottom of the hour. But Jim Jordan, 
Uh, your congressman for much of our listening audience on 94.5 in Dayton and 98.9 in Columbus is going to be the star today in Washington, D.C., because the House Oversight Committee is looking at a lot of things. I thought they were just looking at weaponization of the Department of Justice and law enforcement today. But here's Jim Jordan moments ago talking about uh, his old friend, not Dr. Fauci, and the scheme that Dr. Fauci cooked up by paying somebody to write a paper that Dr. Fauci then cited to disparage anyone who said that the COVID virus may have originated in a lab. If you thought it came from a lab, if you raised that, you were called a nut job. You got censored on Twitter. You were blacklisted on Twitter. You were even called a crackpot. Three days after they say it came from a lab, they changed their position. And the only intervening events, a conference call with Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, again, a call that Mr. Redfield was not allowed to be on the head of CDC and on the coronavirus task force. And then three months later, Shazam, they get nine million bucks from Dr. Fauci. Well, isn't that something? Yeah, it is something. And it's one thing to state the problem. It's another thing to hold someone accountable for the problem. Jordan and Republicans will be fought at every turn to hold Fauci and Collins accountable. And Francis Collins is like a special kind of evil because he went into churches and sold his Christian faith as the credibility why people should get vaccinated. And... I really, really, really question whether that came from an authentic faith position or whether that came from a position of CYAing it for Francis Collins. Now, of course, the remarkable coincidence of Anthony Fauci paying to have a paper written to stiff arm those who thought, you know, they got a Wuhan Institute of Virology and this virus is a SARS-CoV-2 and it and it came from Wuhan, China. Maybe the two are linked. Uh, that remarkable coincidence is uh, well, one of just a few that occurred with our government agencies. Because uh, here's Jim Jordan outlining another remarkable con- uh, coincidence with a little matter that uh, you might have heard of called the Hunter Biden laptop. When did the government say it was going to happen? October of 2020. And who did the government say it would involve? Hunter Biden. Now think about it. Government had no evidence of any intrusions, no evidence of a hack and leak, yet for a year they tell Twitter that a hack and leak is coming, it's coming in October, and it will involve Hunter Biden. No evidence, but the FBI knows what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and who it's going to involve. Now, that's amazing. That is amazing to me. Maybe, I mean, maybe they get the time right. We're kind of used to October surprises every four years. So maybe they get the time right. But they got the time, they got the method, and they got the person. That's amazing. It's almost like these guys were clairvoyant. How did they know? How did they know? Maybe it's because they had the laptop, and they had had it for a year. They had the laptop. They knew it wasn't hacked, but that's not what they told Twitter. No, it is not. In fact, uh, they had quite the cozy relationship with Twitter. Uh, as Jim Jordan was uh, also pointing out today on Capitol Hill. Twitter believed, frankly, everything they said. In those weekly meetings, the FBI had built a cozy relationship with this tech company and others as well, we believe. Emails between the FBI and Twitter began with the greeting, hey, Twitter folks, emails that asked Twitter to take down accounts and limit visibility of tweets. 
FBI handed out security clearance to folks at Twitter. They communicated with Twitter on the secret teleporter app where messages disappear after a certain length of time. And of course, they paid Twitter $3.4 million. Does that seem fishy to anybody that our federal government is paying Twitter $3.4 million after Twitter is taking people off Twitter who the FBI says, hey, you might want to look at this account and take them off Twitter. Now, if you think this at least thankfully has been stopped because Jordan is paying attention to it, let me read you a story from yesterday's Wall Street Journal. The Federal Trade Commission has demanded Twitter turn over internal communications related to owner Elon Musk, as well as detailed information about layoffs, citing concerns that staff reductions could compromise the company's ability to protect users. Gee, I don't know. I'm on Twitter every day a lot, too much, actually. And Twitter appears to be working remarkably efficiently even though Elon Musk has laid off a lot of people who were in on the inner workings of this scheme that Jim Jordan just outlined to you. And yet, the Federal Trade Commission wants to look at Elon Musk. Remember when they told us, oh, Twitter can do whatever it wants. It's a private company. Remember that? Hey, if we want to censor people, we can censor people. We're a private company. We can do whatever we want. Well, I know now Twitter's still a private company. It's just owned by someone different. Someone who prizes freedom of speech. And so he laid off people. Now, if Twitter had crashed and burned and wasn't functioning, maybe then the Federal Trade Commission could say, hey, you know, you laid off all these people and we deem Twitter to be an essential part of the communication of the United States of America. So we're going to call you in and find out what's going on. We want to see your internal documents. But Twitter is functioning just fine, except it's not because it's allowing journalists like Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss and others to see Twitter's archived tweets from the government. So this is blatant. I mean, it takes a special kind of hubris to try to strong-arm Twitter now that it's owned by Elon Musk. They're basically threatening Elon Musk. Hey, you, you might own it. It might be private, but forget what we said back when Jack Dorsey owned it about a private company can do whatever we want. You can't. You can't do that. It takes a special kind of hubris to be under investigation and still engage in the exact same kind of activity for which you are currently under investigation. This tells you how important it is to the Democratic Party to what? Control... The narrative. Why is it important to control the narrative in a country where we are supposed to have freedom of speech and diversity of thought? Because you might say something we don't like. You know what we really don't like? You know what that thing is we don't like? Truth. That's what we don't like. You can't say that. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.